is the SWBC Mortgage Dallas Cowboys Legends Show. Tony Dorsett has scored his first touchdown as a pro. Broadcasting live from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. Tony Hill, touchdown, Tony Hill. Brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. Mahindra. Find your nearest Mahindra dealer at texasmahindradealers.com. And by SWBC Mortgage. Prepare to win. Call SWBC for all your insurance needs. Now your hosts, Mickey Spagnola and Bill Jones. It's a Wednesday night at the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco, and that means it is time for the Dallas Cowboys Legends Show. I am Bill Jones along with Mickey Spagnola, and it is a real treat tonight because the Cowboys, Mickey, are coming off a victory, a resounding victory having over scored, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Having scored 40 points. Yeah, how about that? Where'd that come from, Mickey? Uh, boy, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I predicted that first one to 20 was going to win that game. So you missed another prediction? No, I got, got it that right. right. You got the, that right. You didn't. You didn't predict the first one to forty, though. Yeah, I, it, they had twenty-four by the time. Can the you half predict was when over. this rain is going to end? Uh, that I cannot. Okay, because it's it not end. going to. No, I've already it, called my sister. It's not. Told her to send a kayak along. There you go. All right. The reason we are here is not the legend Mickey Spagnola. It's another legend in the house, and it's a real treat to welcome in the great Dennis Thurman to the Cowboys Legends Show. Hello, Dennis. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me. Good Appreciate to have it. you. I think this is the first time he's uh, appeared on our Legends Show, and yes, I didn't realize. I told him I didn't realize he was still living here. He's been all over. <laughs> didn't realize the he was still living. <laughs> no, living here. I I'm said. Joking. I'm joking. Don't mess with me. <laughs> not dead yet. <laughs> Not dead yet. I figured with all the places you've coached that you had moved on. No, I, I like Dallas. Dallas is home. Dallas will remain home. So uh, I enjoy it here. And I've made I plan. I mean, what a better place. I can't find a better place to live. Grew up in Los Angeles, actually, Santa Monica. I love the weather, but uh, I love living here even more than that. What, what was your impression coming from Santa Monica, Southern Cal, and then you come to Dallas uh, as a draft I had, choice? I thought I had gone back in time uh, when I first got here. But <laughs> I came to realize that uh, I enjoy the lifestyle, the, the quality of life here, and the people are, are fantastic. And once you play for the Cowboys, it's kind of hard to leave. Of course, so, Dennis Thurman, a product of the University of Southern California, defensive back, drafted by the Cowboys in 1978, member of the Cowboys from 1978 through 85, and uh, wrapped up his uh, NFL career with the St. Louis Cardinals, and you've been coaching uh, pretty much ever since. And right off the top, how about this? You are uh, the defensive coordinator for the Memphis Express of the brand-new American Alliance of what? Okay, Alliance of American Alliance football. of American Football, right? right. Uh, which is the new spring league that is starting up. First off, tell us a little bit about that. Well, um, first of all, Mike Singletary is our head coach. Uh, you know, the great linebacker from uh, Baylor University and Chicago Bears. He and I struck up a friendship uh, when we were both coaching in Baltimore with the Ravens. And uh, when this opportunity came along, he called and asked me if I wanted to join him, and I said, yeah. So I just found out the name of our team is the Memphis uh, the Express. I was, I was like, oh, okay. 
<laughs> I said, I guess we'll be carrying mail around. <laughs> and it makes sense since FedEx headquarters are in, yes. are in Memphis, and so that, that's the reason why. But, you know, Daryl Johnston is the GM of the uh, San Antonio right. franchise in that uh, new league. And, by the way, Mike Singletary, of course, makes his home right here right. and is the head coach of the Trinity Christian Addison uh, High School football exactly. team. And so he's able to do that in the springtime. Yes. But uh, I think that – I think we've been in need of a spring league to develop some, some talent. Well, hopefully it'll that that's what'll what'll take place. I remember when uh, the old World League was around, and I uh, actually participated uh, one year with the Ohio Glory. Larry Little, the great guard for the Miami Dolphins, was the head coach then, and uh, a lot of great coaches came out. I mean, Mike Riley, who was also in San Antonio again, he was the head coach of San Antonio then. Uh, you know, you got Steve Spurrier, you have Mike Martz. I mean, there's some quality, quality coaches. And hopefully what we'll be able to do is, is teach guys how to play football and, if, and give guys an opportunity who otherwise wouldn't get an opportunity to further or continue their careers. So hopefully that's what this league will be about and uh, we'll be able to accomplish our goal. Have you started working on this already? Oh, yeah. Game planning, uh, putting your defensive uh, playbook together. Oh, yeah. We, we start January 2nd uh, in San Antonio. I believe all eight teams will be there uh, practicing against one another and uh, scrimmaging and whatnot. But, yeah, it's I'm, I'm excited about it. You, you know who your players are already? Or no. You know, no. There, is there a draft or I'm, how are they doing that? You got to talk to Mike. <laughs> and the good thing for me is I'm happy I'm not a part of that. I'm not a scout. I don't want to be a scout. I want to coach. Hey, and just to fill you in on that, uh, Mickey, uh, you know, Dar- working with Daryl Johnston, I do a, a show with Daryl and, uh, he's been very busy, of course, working in the front office in San Antonio, and they do have players that have been either allocated or they have picked up for each for each team. But being a coach, Dennis doesn't need to know who the players I, are until you start coaching them, right? I, when I show up, <laughs> I'm gonna meet them, and they're gonna meet me. So. Gonna have the, the old names on the front <laughs> yeah. of the helmet. Yeah, and I'm gonna have to have one on my chest. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 1978, 11th round draft pick of the Cowboys. Yeah, they don't even of, have 11 rounds yeah, anymore. Out of, out of USC. And uh, you were a diamond in the rough there because you, you had a terrific career, of course, with the Cowboys. Can you believe, though, it's been 40 years yeah. since you came into the league? Yeah, yeah. you yeah. can believe yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, my body tells me that yeah. every morning you every when day, I get huh? up. Yeah, yeah. I, I realize I'm no longer, I mean, that young kid that was running around really cocky and feeling like he could do any and everything he wanted to do. I know now that they being human, you can't always do everything that you think you can do. You know, do. But, but you fit right in with that Cowboys <laughs> team back then. I mean, you mentioned cocky. I, I look back, at, there, that was, there were so many players on the Cowboys roster in the 70s and the 80s. I wouldn't call them cocky. I'd just call them confident. They were very, filled with confidence. Very. And I think that's one of the main reasons that y'all had a great success. Yeah, we had a, a, a very confident group. I mean, even the guys that I played with back there. I mean, Charlie Waters, Cliff Harris. Randy Hughes, those guys, Aaron Kyle, Benny Barnes were the guys that I first came in with. They were the older guys. They kind of took me under their wing and uh, showed me and taught me how to play the game. And then after they moved on, it became my turn. And that's when Everson Walls, Ron Fellows, Mike Downs, Bill Bates, uh, Victor Scott, Ricky uh, Eastman, kid out of Florida. And we just got together and Gene Stallings was our coach. And um, he believed in us and he coached us hard. and. But we were, we were ready to be coached hard, and, and we went out and we tried to do what he asked us to do to the best of our ability, and we ended up having success because of it. You know, Bill, there, as he mentioned, there was, there was 12 rounds in the draft back then. He was an 11th-round pick. 
and he was one of only four guys, the, the rookies that, or at least the draft picks that year to make the team. Right. So when you got there, what were you thinking of your chances? Because I know that slim. was still bringing in a lot of free agents, slim. right? It was slim. Yeah. I, I mean, I well, I believed in myself, like I said, but the, the truth of the matter is, is that there were like 28 rookie defensive backs uh, that went to Thousand Oaks. We went three weeks early uh, before the vets had to report. And there was, like I said, 28 of us for one position. Uh, there was one defensive back who didn't return from the Cowboys Super Bowl championship team of 1977. So there was one spot that was open. And uh, when the dust settled, I was the guy who <laughs> was in that spot. <laughs> So you had a pretty good career at Southern Cal. Why did you last till the 11th round? Well, I had hurt my knee uh, in a college all-star game, and I didn't get to participate at the combine. Uh, I really didn't have a pro day uh, because I was still injured. And so I basically got drafted off of my, my tape uh, from college. And so because of the injury, and I, I had a slight tear in my meniscus. I did not want to have surgery. You know, they didn't have scope at the time. And I did not want to get my knee cut open, so I opted not to and just rehab. And uh, that, that was why I believe that I lasted until the 11th round. But once I found out where I was going, it didn't matter. I could have cared less. Once I found out I was coming to Dallas, it didn't matter. I wanted to be a Cowboy. Mickey said Dennis Thurman had a pretty good career in college. I'll say he had a pretty good career. <laughs> Two-time All-American. Of course, USC won a national championship, and your teammate Ronnie Lott was a pretty good player right, too, right? right? Yeah, Ronnie Ronnie and I are still good friends. Uh, there's another kid, Dennis Smith, that played with the Broncos yeah. who was also – he's from Santa Monica as well. He went to the same high school who was a pretty good football player. So, you know, I played with some, with some great football players, but – that was at USC. That was college. I came here and played with some greater football players, and I appreciate exactly, I mean, how my career went. You can only do what you can do, and you, you let everybody else critique it and let them tell you, okay, yeah, you were pretty good. Nah, you stunk in this game. It, <laughs> hey, it, it, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. What was your impression of the team? I mean, you're talking about a, a Super Bowl championship team you just walked on to. Well, the, the thing that, that – was frightening to me was that the very first preseason game uh, we were playing the San Francisco 49ers and we they kicked off to us we got the ball we took it down and we scored and then we kicked the ball off and Aaron Kyle was on the kickoff team and he got he got his bell rung uh, today they call them concussions uh, <laughs> but he, he got his bell rung and so the very first defensive uh, series Gene Stallings goes you're in the game and so I go in and I jog onto the field and I go and I'm standing in the huddle and I, I was next to uh, Harvey Martin, John Dutton, Randy White, Tutal Jones, Dee Dee Lewis, uh, Hollywood Henderson, Benny Barnes, Charlie Waters, Cliff Harris, and me. <laughs> and, and I was like, you're kidding, right? Okay, this group just won a Super Bowl the last game they played and had these uniforms on. And now you're in the huddle with these guys? Are you kidding me? I was shaking like a leaf on a tree on a windy day. You, you, you can't imagine the fear that was inside of me at that time. But the guys looked at me and they said, hey, we believe in you. Go play. And, uh, and I went and played. And I played the remainder of the game. And after the game was over, guys came up to me and said, hey, go find an apartment. You've made the team. So, really? Yeah. So now when you got drafted, 
safety or corner, and what did you end up playing? Because I know you did both. Well, I was I didn't know. I mean, I played safety my entire career, uh, even through high school. I was a quarterback in high school, and uh, played when I played defensive back, I played safety. So corner was new to me, and I had to learn how to play corner uh, at the NFL level. And then they moved me into the slot, and I had to learn how to play nickel. And but my my, I mean my the position I was most comfortable with was playing safety. So I was in an uncomfortable situation. But what be, learning how to play corner, learning how to play nickel, they aided me as far as coaching. Okay, having to learn those how to do those things on the fly at the NFL level really helped me as far as my coaching career is concerned. What do you think uh, impressed Gene Stallings right off the bat uh, with you as a rookie? It certainly, yeah, I talked a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can't imagine that, by the and, way. Uh, and there were a couple times. So if you were scared, they didn't, you didn't show it? Well, in meetings, I talked all the time, and he would he would say, "I don't know who else you're bothering, but you're bugging the SHIT." And and but it carried over onto the field. I mean, I had no problem talking, communicating, and uh, again, it was something that came natural to me and for me, and uh, it aided me as far as my career is concerned. Okay, so you had a natural swagger about you. Did you happen, did you happen to see the Cowboys on uh, against Jacksonville the other day? Yeah, I watched. And, and I, I Connor watched McGregor there yeah. and the swagger that uh, that the players had <laughs> after Jeff Heath after an interception, walking with that swagger. How important is that swagger? Well, I mean, you got to believe in yourself. I mean, there's people you have enough. I mean, the other team is trying to defeat you. So They had pretty good swagger, too. Oh, yeah, Jacksonville that, does. And that Jalen Ramsey is pretty <laughs> yeah. good, too. But you have to believe in yourself. And if you don't believe in yourself, who then is going to believe in you? And so we had a group of guys who, I mean, we just believed we could play. And we enjoyed playing. We loved playing. And we played all the time. I mean, game day was like, I mean, guys would be popping out of their skin waiting for game day. Practice was, was fun. But games were the ultimate, and we just enjoyed going out and performing. All right, we're just getting started with Dennis Thurman here on the Cowboys Legends Show. We'll have more from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco in just a moment. SWBC Mortgage, Dallas Cowboys Legends Show. Broadcasting live from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. SWBC Mortgage, for more than 40 years, SWBC has been helping people, companies, and financial institutions prepare to win in Texas and across the country. Visit SWBC.com to learn more. This is the Cowboys Legend Show. Bill Jones with Mickey Spagnola and the great Dennis Thurman, former Cowboys defensive back, is in the house tonight, as is Danny Sarek. Danny has the wireless microphone. Got a good crowd here at the Cowboys Club. Danny, how are you doing? Doing well, Bill. Yeah, it is pretty packed here tonight. And Dennis, our first question for you will come from Drisco from Frisco. <laughs> Yeah, I'm back again. (laughs) (laughs) Say, uh, Dennis, uh, are you a pastor? No. You're not? No. I'm more, no, I'm, no. Let me stay away from that. <laughs> Let me stay away from that. Trisco, you went to the wrong, you went to the wrong website. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm more of a demon. <laughs> He's a demon deacon. So I was going to ask you, uh, uh, the San Francisco game, who was the person that gave you the hardest time during that game is trying to cover? Well, I mean, I, they, the 49ers had a great offense. I mean, Joe Montana, to me, is still the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. Um, and Tom Brady, 
phenomenal. A lot of people think he's the GOAT. I've coached against him when I was in Baltimore, coached against him when I was at Jets, coached against him probably in, in, in Buffalo. So I've coached against Tom Brady like 22 times, okay? If I had one game to play, one game to win, I'd take Joe Montana over Tom Brady. Really? Yes. Interesting. All right. People always want to, if you're on that team that played against San Francisco, they always want to ask you about that. But I got another playoff game I want to ask you about. Okay. What was your favorite playoff game? Come on. Was it the one against Green Bay? Yeah. It was, yeah. <laughs> you you yeah. paired pretty well that day. Yeah, I did okay. You yeah, could brag okay. on yourself. It's no. okay. Three picks, including a pick six, right? Yeah, I against was okay. Against the Packers I, in the playoffs. Yeah, I was okay that day. Yeah. I, I mean, I actually... <laughs> Uh, you know, playing against James Lofton and, and, and uh, you know, at the time they had uh, John Jefferson, who was considered one of the greatest receivers. Out of Dallas, uh, yeah, Dallas yeah, Roosevelt. Yeah, and, 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 of course, Lofton lived here. Right, yeah. exactly. So we got ready to play that game, and all we heard about was uh, you're going to have to cover James Lofton, you're going to have to cover John Jefferson. And, uh, you know, Lofton had a great game, but I actually had more interceptions than John Jefferson had catches. So <laughs> I feel pretty good about that. Yeah. So your rookie year, they go back to the – you guys go back to the Super Bowl. Right. Do you just kind of think that's the way it works in the NFL? You just Yeah, I thought it was going to be real easy. I thought we were going to play in the Super Bowl every year uh, <laughs> because they had gone in 77. Uh, you know, we go back in 78, and then – we, we have the best record in the, in the NFC in 1979, and we're, we get home field advantage all throughout. And uh, tip pass that Billy Waddy ends up catching and scoring a touchdown, and we end up, we lose that game. And, you know, the next year we go to the championship game. The next year we go back to the championship game. The next year we go back to the championship game, and we lose all three. Yeah. Um, not quite as bad as what Buffalo did, you know, by going four straight Super Bowls and losing all four of them. But at the same time, when you go and you get that close to the to your goal and then not to achieve it, it, it I mean, it sticks with you. And I mean, I can recall plays, conversations, you know, with <laughs> coaches and players out on the field because you never forget it. Really? Yeah. And, and, and in that Super Bowl, you, you recovered an onside kick? Yeah, and it, you know whose hands it went off of, don't you? No. Tony Dungy. No, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you remind him of that when you run into him? Yeah, I say, hey, look, I, you, you got me a little fame, dude. You helped me get a little fame. <laughs> As a rookie, huh? Yeah, but Tony, Tony and I are good friends. He's a good guy. So the Cowboys are playing the Redskins this week. Right. It's not the same. But you were involved in that rivalry when it was at its height, I think. Yeah, the fun bunch. Yeah, we tried to break it up, and uh, two of us tried to break it up. All the defensive backs were supposed to be there. Only two of us showed up. So <laughs> I'm a little mad. I'm still angry. Because you were, you were in the middle of it, right? Yeah, I was right in the so middle. So what's your, what's your best memory of that rivalry? What um, game that really sticks out? The, the, the championship game that we lost. Um, because it was, I mean, the fans at RFK were phenomenal. Remember, they had those those metal bleachers, and they would start to stomp on those things, and you could feel that stadium would start to rock and shake. And it was there was no greater feeling than going in, in there and winning. And even though we lost that day, we competed. We lost our quarterback. We lost Danny. Gary Hogeboom had to had to come. Go, that was eighty two. That was eighty two. That yeah. was that tournament, right? Year, right. Exactly. Strike. Exactly. And and Gary went in and played well. We ended up losing the game, 
Uh, but it was a great atmosphere and always was a great atmosphere to go into D.C. and have to play. So I didn't get here till 84, and probably my favorite memory uh, was the season opener in 85. <laughs> oh, yeah, we did all right. We, we did all right. It was Joe's birthday. We gave him a present. So for folks with a little background here, it was a season opener in 85. It was a Monday night game, uh, national television. Uh, it was Joe's birthday. Joe Theismann. Joe Theismann. And the year before, he kind of messed with you guys, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he was talking a little bit. but you Joe know I mean? Theismann? Talk. Yeah, he talked a little <laughs> bit. But, I mean, we all did. I mean, it's hard to see when guys are talking with a football helmet on, okay? It's easy to see <laughs> when baseball players talk or when basketball players talk. But with, when football, they have no idea you're out there talking as much trash as you're talking. So if you learn how to do it, you can do it all game. Was that the game he was messing around, kneeling? They were going to kneel out the, yeah. the game yeah. and fellows yeah. jumped him? Yeah. Did you get a piece of any of that? Uh, no, I, no, I'm a peacemaker. <laughs> Not quite a reverend, but... <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so it it had to be really great. So, in, in the '85 game, the Cowboys ended up intercepting Theismann five times, and the guy next to me got the last one and returned it for a touchdown. Yeah, Do you recall fun. what happened after that? Yeah, Danny White. Yeah, Danny White nicknamed us Thurman Steves. And uh, but we had been stealing passes long before that. I mean, <laughs> right? It, it, what people don't remember is that, and you know, they've had some great secondaries. Uh, you know, Legion of Boom. You know, uh, gets they have their nickname. There's been great segment, I mean, but in, from 1981, and it's the greatest accomplishment that I I feel best about individually uh, with the Cowboys was that. 1981 through 1985, we intercepted. You go look it up. We intercepted 150 balls. Wow. Okay, we averaged 30 interceptions a season for five years. And uh, there was another team, Seattle Seahawks, had a nice secondary with Kenny Easley. And uh, his last name was Harris. I can't believe he was a free safety. And I think they intercepted 150 balls in that same During that time, time period. period. Yeah, so when you can average 30 interceptions a season, and the game wasn't being played. I mean, that's all. I mean, we'd like to turn the clock back and see what we could do. So that year, which is, seems like totally unrealistic, since the Cowboys have trouble right now getting a couple of interceptions, you guys had 36 interceptions yeah. that year, and the DBs had 33. Right. That's, that's, right. that's unbelievable. Well, I mean, it, we had fun. We, we used to challenge each other uh, in meetings and in practice. You know, who's going to get an interception? Who's going to get But it was all in the structure of the defense. We had one guy who might have gone outside of structure a bit ever But he, he had a knack for being in the wrong place and the ball would show up. <laughs> it was the damnedest thing you ever seen. I mean, and then you, you hear, you know, you hear, you talk to your quarterbacks and Joe Theismann will say, he said, I knew you knew where you were going to be. I didn't worry about you. He said, but Cubby, because that was Everson's nickname, right. he said, I never knew where he was going. No we didn't know where he was going to be half the time. <laughs> so, uh, but he made plays, and what a great football player he is. So, so everybody yeah. remembers Everson, the interceptions, but this guy led the team uh, twice, right, two right. years. He had five interceptions that year. Right. Ron Fellows has four. 
Bill Bates had four. How yeah. did Bill Bates get four interceptions? <laughs> right. Probably tip balls. There you go. Because Bill's hands weren't the best hands you'll ever find. But Bill was a great football player, and we loved playing with him. Dexter Klinkscale with three, Michael Downs with three, and Victor Scott with two. That's just unbelievable. Yeah, but hey, 1981 was the, was the year. We, I think we had 38. 37 or 38 that year. Well, that was the year. So Cubby has 11. I you had, had nine. And Mike Downs had seven. So really? when you combined it, we had 27 of the 38 interceptions. So three guys. It wasn't an age when maybe they just weren't throwing them. I'm not downplaying the interceptions, but that's a lot of interceptions. Well, we, we knew we studied. We knew how to make plays. Oh, we only look. Here's what we do is as a defensive back, you don't you know, you're not going to intercept every pass. And so we would look for our opportunity within the game. You study, you study, and you say, okay, this formation right here, I'm going to anticipate this because this is what they've been doing. And if they do what I've seen them do, I have a chance to make a play just as the receiver does. It may be a two-minute situation. It may be a third-down situation. It may be a red zone situation where – you're looking at it, and you're looking for your one opportunity in that game to make a play. And that's how we used to study and anticipate. For instance, we're, we used to play the, when we played the Eagles. Anytime in a two-minute situation, they would get in a three-by-one set. Single receiver trips would be to their right or left. And if the two outside receivers both went vertical, number three ran and out, Okay. If the two inside receivers went vertical, the outside receiver ran the dig. Okay? You remember all this. Yes. And so you're sitting there and you go, okay, I was the backside. I was the backside safety on you know, three by one. Both of those inside receivers went vertical. I s- stepped to my right away from Jaworski, and he came back, and I knew the dig was coming, and I went and intercepted it. But that was the, it. It's, that's what you look to do. And I, I don't know if guys study like that or prepare like that anymore, but that's how we used to study and prepare. And at the conclusion, uh, we were talking about that 85 game when Dennis intercepted the ball. It was the fifth interception, returns it for a touchdown. The whole stadium, the Texas stadium, <laughs> stood up and sang happy birthday to Joe Theismann. I remember that. I was Funniest there. thing I think I ever seen in my life. <laughs> happy birthday to you. They get to Joey. They called him Joey. <laughs> hey, how good was Texas Stadium? How, good, how great a place to play was that? It was a phenomenal place to play. Did you play in a better place? I mean, it it was so close. Everybody was so on top of the field. And that's what you loved about it. The intimacy of it uh, was, I mean, we came out, and the Cowboy fans were fantastic, and they always have been fantastic. And just playing in that old stadium was was one of the treats of my career, having the opportunity to play there. You know, everybody talking about, hey, why did the hole in the roof? God has a chance to watch this team play. (laughs) Yeah, right, all those characters we had on our team. (laughs) And you just missed a chance to be there for the final game at Texas Stadium because you were a coach for the Ravens up to the 07 season. Right. No, I actually went to the game. Actually, actually went to the game. Yeah, I I went, and uh, it wasn't very good for the Cowboys. The the Ravens pretty much destroyed them that day. But, uh, you know, Closing that stadium down, it, it, it was, you know, it was tough. You know, sentimental for us, that us guys that played their whole career there. And uh, like I said, it was a great place to play. All right, we continue with Dennis Thurman here on the Cowboys Legend Show in just a moment. It's a touchdown. Oh, Big Ben struck midnight. To the 
SWBC Mortgage Dallas Cowboys Legends Show. Broadcasting live from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. Fans United, where you can find game day gear for every Cowboys fan. Visit shopfansunited.com to find a location near you. Bill Jones with Mickey Spagnola and Dennis Thurman here on the Cowboys Legends Show. we got about another half hour to go. Danny Sarek has the wireless microphone. Any of you in attendance here? At the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco, find Danny. If you have a question for Dennis Thurman, Danny, what do you got now? Well, now I have Terry from Frisco with our next question. I enjoyed Thurman C's for a long time. <laughs> Thank and you. I have a question. You know, yes. I grew up in West Texas, and form tackling was to stick your headgear. With the changes in the rules and how that's all shifted, you're a defensive coach. How do you teach somebody to tackle. I know arm tackling isn't really what you do, shoulder, but what's, what do you do on it, that? It has become very difficult uh, because, yeah, we, form tackling is no longer allowed. Uh, if you, it looks like now if you use especially the crown of your helmet, but you weren't taught to, to tackle that way. You were taught to ta- tackle face up, hit, lift, a wrap, lift, and take a guy to the ground. But it's very difficult to do to me because of the rules, you're going to see more leg injuries because guys are going to start going lower. And when guys are bigger than you, the best way I can tell them to tackle is just go body block somebody. Just go cut them down. And uh, because now, especially if, if you hit a quarterback and you form tackle him to the ground and you land on him, you're going to get a penalty. But you're also going to get a letter from the commissioner and a fine. So guys are... Guys are having a difficult time with it, and I think that they're going to continue to have a difficult time with it. I was reading, it was, it might have been the the Green Bay game the other night. One of the defenders said he was getting ready to to hit Aaron Rodgers, and he realized if he did what he was getting ready to do, he was going to get fined and get 15 yards, and he pulled off. Well, that's what happens. I mean, people think that you only get, the penalty yeah you don't just get the penalty you you get a letter from the commissioner's office telling you you probably lost twenty thousand dollars yeah and uh you know so guys are are becoming very aware of that i mean it happened in the uh, kansas city um new england game where the the linebacker had tom brady but he thought he had thrown the ball so he didn't want to take him to the ground because he feared he'd get a penalty Next thing you know, Tom Brady, even as slow as he is, and he's slow, uh, <laughs> he, he runs four yards into the end zone for a touchdown. Yeah. And the kid is sit, he's standing there, and he, he's looking shocked. Like, you know, well, what did you guys want me to do? And, you know, the, the, the other young man who played for the Miami Dolphins who pulled off and ended up tearing up his ACL, yeah. you know, trying to keep from, from landing on a quarterback. So it's, it's caused some issues, and you got to look at it both ways. I understand protecting the quarterback, but – to the, to the degree that they're protecting them, I think some quarterbacks are even complaining about it. All right, Dennis Thurman, he played at USC, two-time All-American at USC, and then eight years with the Cowboys, another year with the St. Louis Cardinals. Coaching career, first with the Phoenix Cardinals, and you mentioned the Ohio Glory. You're at USC for uh, several years eight. before getting back, eight years eight. before getting back into the NFL. With the Ravens and then the Jets and the Bills and now the defensive coordinator for the new Alliance of American Football, Memphis Express. I got a challenge for you now. All right. All right. Going back to your college days, your time with the Cowboys, your coaching career, I want you to put together your secondary that you have either played with or coached. 
Get a load of these names, okay? Your all-time oh. secondary. <laughs> All right, well, I'll, I'll get you started. You played with Ronnie Lott. Is Ronnie Lott going to be in your secondary? Yeah, he'd be the starting strong okay. safety. Okay, <laughs> All right. He's your starting strong safety. Ed Reed would be Ed Reed, you had safety. at Baltimore. Yeah. There was another safety for you. Um, Chris McAllister and Darrell Revis would be my corners. Okay, Revis at the Jets. You know, yeah, yeah, Troy Polamalu would be. <laughs> I, he'd be on the field somewhere. Where's Dion? Dion would be on the field at nickel. I'd put Dion <laughs> at nickel. No, got to put Dion at corner. Listen to these Revis, names. Revis and Dion would play corner, so that I'd have to move Chris into the slot, and he'd be my nickel corner. You, these are like. I know. Anyone who could put together an all-time secondary well, you in the count. National Football League, and this guy, Dennis Thurman, has either played with him or coached him. Well, were... Jason Seahorn was pretty good, too. <laughs> wow. And uh, actually, <laughs> I'm more proud of Jason for marrying Angie Harmon. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, though. I mean, I've had an opportunity to coach some really, really good ones, and, uh, you know, we, we've had a great time. I'm friends with all of them. I stay in touch with all of them and a uh, bunch of great human beings. So really this, awesome. this is interesting, Bill. Let him tell, we were talking beforehand, tell the story about how you got into coaching. Oh, uh, my seventh, after my seventh year, uh, Coach Landry called me in his office and uh, we had just moved into the new facility uh, in Valley Ranch. And I didn't know why he was calling me, but he asked, could he see me? And I, he started in, he said, have you, he asked me, had I ever thought about coaching? And I looked at him and I said, no. I said, coach, I, I still want to play. And he goes, no, I, I know that, I know that. I, but I'm just asking you, have you ever thought about it? And I said, no. He said, well, you might want to think about it because you prepare like a coach. You study the game like a coach. And I had never thought of it that way. And uh, that was the first time that someone piqued my interest as far as coaching but then I had I ended up playing a couple more years and then uh, I retired after the 1986 season after I finished that one year with the St. Louis Cardinals by the way I hated it um, <laughs> but I did it because coach Stallings was now the head coach and uh, you know he he wanted me to be there to help the transition from for the other guys and we ended up having a pretty good defense that year we ended up finishing third or fourth in the NFL, even though our record was 311 and whatever it was. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, uh, and so I retired and I went home and had a young daughter at the time. She's now a lawyer, and she tells me what to do. <laughs> but I spent a lot of time with her in uh, 1987. And one morning, a deputy sheriff knocked on my door, and I answered the door, and I looked at him, and I, I had no idea. I didn't know what I had done. I was trying to figure out, well, I mean, what did you do? I mean, why are you here? He said, no, 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 don't worry about it. He says, uh, Gene Stallings is trying to get in touch with you. <laughs> and uh, that's how I got really? into coaching. He offered me a coaching job with a, through a deputy sheriff knocking on my door. He was trying to find a morning. phone number. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't no cell phones, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not, in today's world, yeah, he'd have picked up the cell phone. In that world, he sent a deputy sheriff to knock on my door. And Gene's an all-timer, right? Yeah, I love Gene. He's great, great, great coach. And I enjoyed playing for him, enjoyed working with him when I coached with him. Uh, and, you know, he wanted me to go to Alabama uh, with him after we left the Cardinals. But I was going through some personal things, and I just I needed a break. And uh, But I missed out on the national championship. 
I'm not sure. Could I had a second one, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't. Me in Alabama, I don't know if we'd have fit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was, too it was one thing coming to Dallas, yeah, right? Yeah, going down there, it might have been a little different. But, uh, no, I, I love Gene. Gene was a great guy, and he still is. And, uh, you know, I, I, I saw him about six months ago, and he looked good. He yeah, because yeah. he had the, the yeah. heart attack or yeah. whatever. Little, it was it was right before he had that little whatever it was, little hiccup yeah. uh, that I saw him and uh, kind of scared me a little bit. But he seems to be, you know, bouncing back from it. Because, matter of fact, that happened a little bit after I told you we went and interviewed him. Right, okay. And, and then I, I, I read where, yeah, I, oh, he's going to Alabama because he's got to make a speech at yeah. some fundraiser. He, he doesn't know how to sit still. Yeah. <laughs> and, but I didn't either, and I don't now. So. And neither do I. <laughs> so... I think Danny, can we sneak a question? Are we uh, let's hit it? Uh, let's come back to you. Okay, and we'll, and we'll do that after this uh, timeout. We continue with Dennis Thurman in just a moment here. The Cowboys Legend Show. Back, back, back. It's a touchdown! It's a touchdown! The SWBC Mortgage Dallas Cowboys Legends Show. Broadcasting live from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. We've got 10 or 12 minutes left here on the Dallas Cowboys Legends Show all across the Dallas Cowboys radio network. Bill Jones with Mickey Spagnola and the great Dennis Thurman is in the house. It's uh, been a great conversation going down Cowboys memory lane with the charter member of Thurman's Thieves from back in the late 70s and the 80s with the Cowboys in a long, distinguished career as an assistant coach in the National Football League and in college at his alma mater at USC. Danny Sarek has the wireless microphone here at the Cowboys Club at the Star. And Danny, how you doing? Doing well, and now I'm with Bill from Chicago for our next question. I promise I won't bring up that 85 Bears game. Please don't. <laughs> Please don't. No, that was the worst whipping we took. <laughs> as a team in my career. You so remember? please don't. It was 44 nothing. I was yeah, going to ask you remember Stadium. the yeah, score. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah 44 nothing. I sure do. Yeah, well, these things happen, right? It's yeah. happened to all teams, and right? They get whooped. And, and Mike, Mike Singletary and I talk about that all the time. Yeah. 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 He reminds you, huh? Yes. I bet. So who was your uh, mentor when you got in the league at the beginning, and who did you mentor as you got out of the league from a player standpoint? Well, um, like I said, I, when I first came into the league, Charlie Waters and Cliff Harris were two guys that were premier at their position, and uh, they're very intelligent. And I felt like I was a pretty smart guy too, but I wasn't as smart as them. So, yeah, when they were talking, I listened, but when everybody else was talking, I talked. So uh, I, I learned from those two guys uh, for, for the most part. But Coach Stallings was as good a coach as I've ever been around, very thorough. Uh, made sure we understood what we were supposed to be doing. And then he, once that, once we knew what we were supposed to do, he allowed us to go play. So uh, in that regard, I was very, very appreciative. But, and then as a coach, I mean, just being able to talk to guys and have them understand what, is, what it is to be a professional and what it takes to be a professional. And if, if you want to get everything you want to get out of this game, you got to put a lot your mind, body, and soul into it. There was a saying that Coach Lander used to have, and, it's, and it, I found it to be very true. He says, once you learn how to play this game, you'll be too old to play it. And that's <laughs> true for most of us, okay? I became a smarter football player after my career was over. Uh, but that's why a guy like Tom Brady right now is able to play the game the way he plays it because he under there's nothing he hadn't seen. 
there's nothing that he doesn't understand on that football field. And he's still able to play it 18, 19 years into his career because he mastered how to play the game, but he's not too old to play it right now. And that's why he's still playing at such a high level. So let me see if I got this right. You played for John McKay. Yes. Uh, uh, John Robinson. Yes. Tom Landry. Yes. Under Gene Stallings. All champions. And then, mm -hmm. if I remember correctly, Cowboys assistant coaches when you first got there. Dan Dick, Reeves. Dan Reeves. Yes. Mike Ditka Mike still Ditka. there. Yeah, Mike Ditka was the one that gave me the nickname Nate. Nate. Yeah, my nickname Nate is Nate Thurman, the basketball yeah, player. Yeah, because he couldn't—he couldn't remember my name was Dennis. So he <laughs> even though, me even Nate. though Nate Thurman, the basketball yeah. player, spelled his last yes. name differently yes. than Dennis Thurman. Yes, and so if if you ever see a, if I ever see a former Cowboy teammate, whatever, they all call me Nate, and they they the people were like, well, why do you, why do they call you Nate? And I. Mike Dicker couldn't remember my name was Dennis, so he could remember Nate, so he called me Nate, and it stuck. <laughs> and he was the special teams coach, yeah. right? So I'm assuming you were yeah, on special teams. I was on special teams, and he said, man, I can't remember your name. Your name is Nate from now on, so it stuck. So. <laughs> and, of course, Dennis Thurman uh, coached in college at USC. So did you have Chris Richard at USC? Yeah, I, I recruited Chris out of, out of Sarah High School in Gardena. I, Chris played for me for two years. And the craziest thing is he, he remembers our first meeting. Really? Yeah, he's, he's a great kid. I mean, and we're friends. I, I think he's doing a phenomenal job coaching here, and uh, I think the sky's the limit for him. I really so do. So could you tell uh, when you were recruiting him that he had those instincts where he would be a coach someday, or was it too I, early to tell? No, it was too early to tell. He was a heck of a football player. Uh, great family. Mom, dad, I mean, Phenomenal family. And uh, the things I remember about Chris was just a quality human being, uh, probably a better person than he was a player. And he was a pretty good player. I mean, he, at the time, he was running like a 10, 500 meters. I mean, really could run, really could cover, very inquisitive, wanted to know why we were doing what we were doing. So I guess in some respects, I mean, I, I, I just knew he wanted to play. And then he got drafted by the Seattle Seahawks, and he played for them for three or four years. And uh, then his career kind of nosedived. And he, he, we talked before he got into coaching, and he, he was asking me about it. And I said, look, so it can be very rewarding. You know, it can also be very frustrating. I said, but if you, if you hang in there, I said, you probably end up carving out a pretty good career for yourself, and he's and, done just that. And, of course, he coached the Legion of Boom in, yes. in Seattle. How impressed uh, were, were you with that secondary? They were uh, good. Yeah. They, they were good. They were good. Um, and you got to give them credit. They, they did some phenomenal things. The, only, the thing that bothers me, if there's one regret I have when I don't have many, is that here in Dallas we never got a chance to win that Super Bowl because if you have a nickname and you win a championship, that nickname lasts forever. Lives on. And, yes. Yeah. And so, you know, we kind of know. Our poster still is pretty good. But, uh, <laughs> did you, did you uh, keep the hat? Oh, did we? No, we got in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> we got in trouble for wearing those hats. We'll talk about that some other day. <laughs> we talked about it with Cubby. He, they, 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 they were staying at the, it was the old train station they turned into a shopping mall in, in St. Louis, 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 right? Yeah. And they all went and bought these kind of fedoras. Fedora we wanted hats. to be like Tom Landry. <laughs> and unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, it got, us got in trouble. real bad. And, yeah. And, and it was like, okay, they're messing 
messing around with hats and not worrying about football. I don't think they had anything to do with it. But, <laughs> or but the, we or got the in interviews trouble. before the game. Oh, Remember yeah. that? Yeah. I, I, hey, that's part of growing up. We were, we, were, we were knuckleheads back then. That's part of growing up. I think uh, Danny may have another question from uh, uh, someone in attendance here. Danny? Well, this time the question's from me. Oh, okay. well. All right. Step right up. Yes. Except the best for last year. <laughs> exactly. Dennis, you worked with Rob and Rex Ryan. Right. Oh, boy. Know, I just want to know your favorite story with them. That you can say on the radio. <laughs> I, I work with Rex much longer than Rob. They're on, yeah, there's some funny stories, but they're a little bit personal, <laughs> so I, I can't get into it. I can tell you this. They both have huge personalities, and they're very confident in themselves, but neither one of them is their dad. Their dad was Buddy. a better football coach than both of them. And I think they would say that, too. Buddy Ryan, yeah, yeah he was awfully good. And I'm not 85 team, by the way. Yeah, yeah there yeah. you go. Gentlemen there from Chicago. That, that's yeah. right. So when you, when you were talking about Chris Richard, um, do you see some of his fingerprints on maybe how the Cowboys oh, DBs yeah. are playing? Oh, big time. A little bit differently than big they're time. used to? Yes, and much more aggressive. Uh, they're... they're, they're they're playing a lot more man than they've played in the past because Rod, I coached with Rod as well at USC for two years. You did? I did. We, <laughs> Rod and I won a Cotton Bowl championship. We beat, came here and beat Texas Tech. Yeah, Keyshawn and, went yeah, off that Yeah, game. we beat the brakes off of them. Right <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we, uh, we beat Northwestern uh, in the Rose Bowl the following year. And uh, he was in charge of the pass rush. I had the... I had the, the secondary, and that year we only gave up six touchdown passes, and I think they had something like 35, 40 sacks. So we worked well together, and uh, I respect Rod a lot. And he's a really, really, really fine football coach, but also a better man. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, just working with Chris or coaching Chris and working with Rod, I know, I know the Cowboys' defense is in good hands. I believe that. They've only given up touchdown passes when they make mistakes back there. When they don't make a mistake back there, they're hard to throw the ball against. And that's what you want. You want your secondary to be one where they're all together. They know what each other's supposed to be doing. If they don't beat themselves, they are going to be hard to beat. You know, that's a pretty good observation because against Seattle, they had two busted yes. coverages for touchdowns. And yes. then the next week, when Detroit took the lead yes. late, another busted yes. coverage, right? Yes, and it seemed like they straightened it out last week. And Blake Bortles isn't the greatest quarterback in the National Football League, but he still is a quarterback in the league. And like Tom Landry used to tell us all the time, if he's in the league, you got to respect him. And, uh, you know, so he can, he can throw the football, but they, they did a great job. The, the key is this weekend, can they go into Washington and keep Washington under control. Washington may run the ball a little bit. AP's running the ball really well right now. Uh, but can they keep in the passing game and Alex Smith, can they keep that under control? If they can, I think they have a great chance to go up there and win. You know, the one thing I noticed about them in their passing game, their, their leading receiver is Thompson, their running back, right. and the next one's the tight end, Reed, and the next wide receiver uh, 16 catches, and, 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 and that's it. And, and Jamison Crowder's hurt. And Crowder's hurt, so it'll be interesting to see how they – but, yeah, they got to go on the road, right? As Zeke said, if we don't win any on the road, we ain't going to the playoffs. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. But, you know, the, the, the thing is is that their defense has been traveling. And, again, 
they got to keep the passing game under control of the Redskins because of what you just said. They don't have particularly a number one receiver either. They do have a big-time tight end. He's healthy, and their running back is their leading uh, receiver. And I, I just feel like they should go in there and have a lot of confidence and go in there and play really well, and then the offense has got to do what they If they can score 21, 24 points, I think they have a great chance to win this game. Dennis Thurman, this has been great. Mickey, you outdid yourself. Mickey books our guest, and you outdid yourself getting I Dennis Thurman. i got to keep Thurman. running into these guys. That, that, you know? exactly I ran right. into them at a No game. show next week because it's a bye right. week, so we're back in two weeks from here at the Star. Our thanks once again to Dennis Thurman. A true sports fan wears their team's color.